Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today on the show I'm joined by Patrick Freeman who's just released his debut album, The Gorgeous Cherry Blossom Fall, which is available to listen to and buy on his Bandcamp page, patrickfreeman.bandcamp.com. I met him uh, at his house in Stony Batter in Dublin on Wednesday. I was up for the David Lynch Revisited gig at the NCH, the, the uh, National Concert Hall. Uh, so I said I'd try and fit in a couple of interviews for the podcast as well, as, you know, making the trip up to Dublin. Uh, a wet day, we chatted about Freeman growing up in New York and moving to Ireland when he was 11. Um, we also talk about the art of songwriting and how he how he crafts his songs uh his love of the beatles bob dylan and more recent bands like the strokes and kings leon uh kings leon actually we we disagree on i fell out of love with kings leon after about three albums he was already gone at that stage he he only uh enjoyed their first album really so uh I was kind of surprised at that because I think King Leon's best album, I thought that it was universally accepted, was Aha Shake Heartbreak, but well, maybe I'm wrong. Um, he's also good friends with O Emperor uh, and Cherry Blossom Fall, which is self-released. It was done via a funded uh, campaign. Uh, it was recorded at their Big, so- uh, Big Skin HQ studio on McCurtain Street in Cork. Uh, so yeah, here's the interview with Patrick Freeman. It's about, it's just over 50 minutes. So strap in for that, folks. I started by asking him, having lived in New York, Waterford and Cork, whether he subscribes to having a label of a city as a musician, i.e. is he a New New York musician, a Cork musician, a Waterford musician? What does he see himself as? I mean, I do feel quite a connection with the the Cork scene because I was down there for five years. Uh, both of my recordings the ep and the album have been recorded down there with the o emperor lads and brendan fennessy um so definitely have quite a connection with the cork scene but you know i lived in new york till i was about 11 or 12 oh okay and then uh my mother's from kilkenny from moonkine and we lived there for a bit and lived in waterford for a bit then i moved to cork for college um then i moved back to new york for two years now I'm in Dublin so yeah no uh, but it's just I haven't lived anywhere for kind of more than you know five years so yeah it's yeah. hard to consider yourself really part of the any particular community but yeah Cork's a big one for me I got a lot of mates down there and I like the scene down there because it's there's no there's not much pretense like people are quite happy to work with each other no matter what your genre is or what the bag is you know people are quite open to trying stuff at least you know so 11 like you were born in new york as well were you i was born in new york yeah my dad's from new york um lived there till i was about 11 or 12 and then so i would have done all my secondary school here in ireland okay um so when was when when did you grow up in in new york like early 90s uh, Mid-90s. born in 1990 so yeah oh, yeah yeah the 90s yeah 90s yeah uh we moved to thailand 2001 august of 2001 oh right just before just before, right before yeah wow. it, was, it was kind of weird so is your is, your dad is american so like born... yeah he's from new york he's still there yeah oh okay so that must have um that must have been a shock to the system for like you and him like 9-11 when, when that happened just after uh, yeah I mean it was just more surreal for me probably I probably didn't quite compute because you're just watching it all on TV and, and radio and stuff and 
Yeah, it was very strange. I mean, for him, it would have been a lot more real. He wasn't that far away from it. You know, he probably would have would have seen some of it from a, from a distance anyway. But um, but it still is very real for um, a lot of people over there. I mean, you see now with the attacks in Paris, like it's bringing a lot of that back up again. Um, have you been to the um, the site of the new? Is are the new towers up yet? Yeah. Um, last time I was there, they weren't. I don't think it was officially opened. It was still kind of under construction, but like yeah, I went and checked out the monument and stuff. Uh, I think it's all pretty much open now. The museum and all that. I haven't I haven't checked out the museum. There's actually uh, if you're down there, there's actually a little uh, dedication to the Irish famine as well down there. They like moved a a stone cottage from Mayo, just like stone by stone. And it's like in the middle of the financial district in Manhattan. It's quite surreal. It stands out. Yeah, it's just like a bit of Ireland in the middle of this concrete jungle. Like wow. there's a bit of grass, and apparently there's a stone from every county in Ireland. It's uh, and very close to the to the the ground zero. So you moved uh, to Waterford. Was there your mum is from Waterford? Uh, Kilkenny, uh, just a couple miles outside. Waterford City, so a little village called Moonkine. Yeah, and were you were you happy to move? Like, were you like, oh, why am I leaving New York? Uh, or, or could you kind of fathom like how no, I don't important think I New York? Was? I don't think I completely. For me, it was kind of like going on holiday, like you know, because we always came back to Ireland on our holidays and stuff, and that was all good until I had to go to school, and then I was like, oh, you know, yeah, gonna have to do that here as well, <laughs> but um. I was happy enough, yeah. I suppose I had a, a fair bit of independence, and I was back and forth quite a bit as well. You know. Between America and yeah, I used to spend summers with my dad and stuff. So you must have been like uh, like the big shot at school, like oh, he's to America again in the summer. Not really, no. No, if anything, I probably just got more of a grueling oh, really? for being the Yank, you know, <laughs> American accent swiftly beaten out of me. Uh, it still comes and goes though, because. You know, I was back living in America again, so I kind of picked up a bit more of an American accent again, I think. I don't know. It's like at this stage, it's a bit Waterford, a bit Cork, a bit doesn't know what it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you lived in Waterford for a couple of years. That was obviously where you met the O Emperor lads. Yeah, yeah, that would have been where I met them. They would have been a couple of years ahead of me in school. I think they were actually gone by the time I got, I did my leaving cert in Waterford and De La Salle. So they would actually been moved down to Cork at that stage, but I got to know Phil first, I think. Um, we would have had some mutual friends, and his brother Jimmy would have been below me in school, actually. And um, Yeah, and then when I finished secondary school, I went down to Cork for college, so all the boys were living down there then, so I suppose that was really when I got to know them well. But I would have watched them coming up as a teenager, like, you know, with all the teenage gigs going on in Waterford he had a couple of things like Teenage Kicks which was like an all ages event and you had Blast as well which I think was more of a national thing I remember uh, that there were Blast gigs in Cork in the Half Moon yeah there were, I think oh, I that didn't... was kind of all over yeah um, oh I didn't know that it was a bit more I guess punk and metal centric Blast but uh, covering think... Metallica songs yeah, and Nirvana yeah, a lot of dodgy Green Day cover bands and um <laughs> Teenage Kicks was a bit more varied, and that was just something that went on in Waterford for a few years, and I think kind of died out then. But like, yeah, so all those O Emperor guys would have been slightly older than me, so I would have been 
kind of they would have been the older guys that you would have been looking up to a little bit um and like oh emperor wouldn't have even been together at that stage like they would have been all been playing in different bands um so yeah <laughs> um yeah like the underage thing seems to just not be a big thing at the moment like obviously you know i'm, I'm not part of it or anything yeah. <laughs> but uh it just seems like I, I don't know like if i was this age you know like mid to late 20s back in you know 2004 or 5 and you'd be like oh man they're putting on some you know loads of underage shows now it just seems like there isn't i mean in cork you had the kino kind of rejuvenated mm. for a little bit but that that's died out again and that's yeah. you know so um well i think it's kind of coming back a little bit like it's i mean it really just takes someone who's willing to organize it and willing to put in the efforts it's kind of a thankless job anyway but it, it was great for us coming up to have that uh output to have that place where you could go and perform in front of people you know that you know because you weren't you couldn't technically play in the pubs even though there were plenty of us playing in pubs mm -hmm. underage and you know it was a place where you could try stuff out and play in front of people even if no one was really paying attention like you know it was a place to to practice your craft or whatever mm -hmm. so I, I think it was a shame there you had a couple of years where whatever teenagers or kids would have been coming up they didn't have that opportunity but uh, I think you see it coming back a little bit now. You know, there's probably money there again for budgets and stuff. Have, have you actually seen it kind of personally? Like, because I, uh, I honestly just, just can't think of Anecdotally, um, I've heard in Waterford anyway, I've heard they're, they're putting on a few things like that again, which is which is good to hear. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't really know, I suppose. Yeah. Um, when did you pick up the guitar? Like, did you pick that up in um in America? Yeah, my dad uh, is a musician as well. I mean, he, he had a day job and stuff as well, but he, he always played guitar. So I suppose kind of from him, I would have been, I think I was like four or five when he bought me my first guitar. It was probably a couple of years after that before I seriously started playing the thing, you know. Um, so yeah, pretty much as long as I can remember, it's always been kind of something that was there. I probably went away from it slightly in my teenage years in a way even even like b before or after the um underage stuff um i suppose kind of slightly after that i don't know i mean it was always there i never like gave up or anything but it, it, it always i always felt like i should be a better guitar player than i am you know, <laughs> maybe if i was a bit more disciplined or whatever but uh yeah no it's always been there it's always been i can't really imagine not having music you know what kind of guitar players were you kind of trying to sound like or looking up to uh well grew up on the beatles in a big way like i remember just being six or seven and just stealing all my father's beatles albums um so a lot of the stuff that he would have been into like cream the beatles you know clapton and i guess jimmy page um then when I was a teenager like the strokes hit and I got into a lot of that kind of stuff uh you know I was into the strokes and the white stripes and the kings of leon early early on before they, they <laughs> before disappointed, on fire. disappointed us all when did you um, get when did you get out of kings leon I left like I kind of started to get out after around sex on fire after their third album before that even oh really I thought 
I just thought they would got progressively worse as they went along. Like you think the first album is the best? Yeah, definitely by well, a long shot. Better yeah. than Ah Shake Heartbreak. Definitely, yeah. What? Yeah. Oh man! Like me and my friend, like my friend loved by the it. third album. They lost me. Like I was wow. Like, no, they didn't lose me until after that. That was. That was interesting because obviously they just got better, like bigger and bigger. I remember watching the Glastonbury coverage on BBC one year and John Peel was on and he was talking about um the Kings Leon who had played the main stage at about 6pm on the Saturday and he yeah. was like, they're just, I just remember him saying, you know, they're just missing something. They're missing that one big song. Yeah. And then like they went away and then two years later they had Sex on Fire and, yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't, whatever. I don't, I don't really get any of that. I don't understand it like i thought the first album was really good like it was they were just going for straight up kind of rock and roll kind of thing it was almost like an american rolling stones almost like with an americana kind of thing and it had that dark kind of undertone of all the the stuff with their father being a preacher and all that kind of dodgy misconduct and all that kind of thing it was a dark enough album like and it was interesting um well california dreaming i just think it got really superficial and it was just sex drugs and rock and roll which is boring like it's been done a million times yeah. like you know what I mean well it's still it's still being done all the time yeah, like, it's still, it's always... you know it still sells I guess but it's it's nothing new like it's been done it's been done better before like you know what I mean so I don't know so Stokes obviously like breaking in 2001 uh, again around the time that I yeah, yeah. Moved, I'm sure that, that yeah that definitely had an, a big thing on me I remember my uncle had uh, Is This It he was a DJ at the time and he had the CD single of it of uh, I guess sometime or or last night yeah it would have been last night oh okay right and yeah I remember hearing that and being like I think that was before it would have even come out in America because that would have been like August 2001 and I don't think because they had to delay the release of that album to take New York City cops off of it Oh, they did, yeah. I was gonna. I thought that, yeah, New York City Cops was like the first single off it, but obviously not. No. Uh, No, that wasn't even on the American release. Yeah, I think it was only on the European one because after nine eleven, you couldn't really say bad things about the cops. Um, They ain't so smart. Like that's that's the lyric. Like New York City Cops, they ain't so smart. Totally, yeah. Um, But yeah, that and it is a kind of looking back on it now, like they were going for like a nostalgic. New York sound like I don't think they sounded like other New York bands at that time you know they were kind of going for that Lou Reed yeah um, I guess television as well even though I think they claimed they hadn't heard of television until after the album came out but uh, uh, that kind of 70s New York sound uh, I still think that first album's amazing like I, th- I think it's definitely a classic album because they worked as a unit like everything it was all very simple, but everything had its place, and the the sort of overall effect I thought was very powerful. And again, kind of, I thought the second album was great as well, and they got slated for that one. And I think that was kind of the beginning of the end of them, because I think they were too preoccupied with what other people thought about them, rather than just concentrating yeah. on whatever it was they were good at, you know, whatever their thing was. Uh, the third album, I thought had some really nice moments and then after that I can't even remember the third album uh, First Impressions of Earth oh yeah they, they, I liked like the first four it had songs had its moments yeah, the yeah, singles yeah. I think were good but um, Red Light I think is a great tune the last one on the okay. 
there's some cool guitar stuff on there but um have you listened to like any of the new stuff or any of um albert solo stuff or julian casablanca's solo stuff which yeah um i think that first albert hammond album had its moments from what i can recall but i haven't listened to any of the stroke stuff i would say since first impressions of earth yeah haven't listened much of it since then but i was a big fan like you know i was you know 13 or 14 yeah. or whatever and going on to the shows i saw him in dublin i saw him in, in uh, what was it randall's island in new york the i think iggy pop was the headliner Ooh. and the strokes and there was a couple other decent bands on i remember pete best the pete best band played he was he was the drummer before ringo in the beatles <laughs> and they were just doing like all old uh you know early beatles stuff nancy sinatra it was quite a lineup <laughs> um yeah like the, they're the kind of bands who i think you know you get into them first and they kind of stick with you through everything but i wouldn't i wouldn't like say king's leon or strokes really come to mind when i listen to your album no no i i suppose i was just trying to think of what i was into back then um or you can completely disagree with me and say that no you know they're just who you get into first uh no i mean like, well, what i was into first was the beatles and like 60s blues rock um then from there i got into kind of older blues probably and then i suppose moving to ireland kind of into the pop music that was out when i was a teenager uh you know white stripes blah 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 um but then i went on a mad dylan buzz after that i was gonna ask you about dylan yeah, actually, yeah yeah i went on a huge dylan obsession as as a lot of people do <laughs> And, um, yeah, through that, I think, got more and more into folk music as well, uh, you know, through Woody Guthrie and even the Clancy Brothers and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And then going, you know, deeper, digging down those holes, you know, a lot of American folk music, bluegrass and even Irish traditional stuff, uh, where, like, now I, 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 I would like to get... I'm actually trying to learn Irish a bit more now and get into Joe Heaney and some of those old Shannos guys and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I guess that started, I guess, well, no, I guess I was about 14 or something when started. I'm trying to remember what the first Dylan record I had was. I think it might have been Freewheeling. Okay. Um, I was I was talking about uh, Dylan on this podcast a couple of weeks ago with Emmett O'Brien. I was just saying that, you know, I still haven't gone through my Dylan phase yet. And he was asking, you know, what albums have you been trying to get into? And I was just, uh, bl you know, the usual blonde on blonde yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And I just didn't feel that connection with it. I still, like, I, do, I have listened to um, some of the earlier Dylan stuff a little bit more. And I still think, you know, it's good. I'm still not there, you know, ready to yeah. go all in. I've probably fallen out of love with him a little bit, or at least it's not as romantic as it used to be. Like, you know, you can probably see the, the flaws in it as well. He, he Like, he's, I wouldn't put him on the same pedestal I probably had him on before, but he's still a massive influence. I still go back to that stuff all the time, fairly regularly. Like, um, Desire, brilliant album. Um, all the 60s stuff and like the stuff there like I suppose my favourite period of him is kind of around that Basement Tapes uh, John Wesley Harding that just kind of weird where he was I guess you could call it folk rock but it, it was just kind of that really weird when you listen to the early American 
um, recordings like from the twenties and from the thirties. Everything's a bit odd, and uh, you know, it's hard, hard to explain it. It's, you know, it's kind of dark and kind of strange, and he managed to get that vibe some somehow. Did you listen to much still on post post sixties, like seventies, eighties, nineties? Yeah, well. You know, he was there's Blood on Tracks and Desire, they were the seventies. Um Time Out of Mind is a brilliant album. Uh I think that one he did uh around two thousand one that was um Love and Theft. That that's a pretty good record. Um yeah, like most of the eighties stuff, I mean there's good songs in there but like the production would not be my cup of tea. Yeah. You know, infidels and that kind of stuff. There's great songwriting on those records great tracks but uh it's it's very dated like you know yeah. when you listen to those albums what do like what do you think of uh like dylan now i mean like he's still performing he's sold out like five nights at albert hall in london but it's not really the bob dylan that we know like it's all um the american songbook that he's doing yeah yeah and he doesn't play guitar doesn't play keyboard he's he's a crooner now you know like sing frank sinatra yeah, type style kind of buzz i don't know he's not that gone on it I'm, I'm i'm fairly ambivalent towards it to be honest yeah. like it's you know a lot of it is like people are going just to pay homage sort of uh and you know i've seen him a few times now i'm kind of past that buzz and i've seen him like i remember seeing him in Tolman park in limerick and he put on a great show a couple of years ago or a couple of years ago yeah. Further back, yeah um trying to remember what year that was now it was uh i think it was after together through life came out if i'm not mistaken and he put on a great show there. And then I saw him uh, in New Jersey uh, about two years ago. Wil- it was with Wilco and My Morning Jacket. And uh, they had a load of special guests coming out. And Wilco were absolutely amazing. And Bob just didn't show up. Like, he was just, like, not bothered at all. Yeah. Like, you know, it was actually pretty sad to watch. Um, Wilco are another band who, they have such a vast catalogue. That it's just kind of like, oh, where do I start? Yeah, I feel that way with with Wilco. Like, um, for me, I'm all about albums, you know. So if the album can't hold me the whole way through, like, I think they have lots of brilliant tracks, but some of the albums are a bit slow. Like, I might get bored halfway through or whatever. But, like, seeing them live is amazing because they're playing just all their best stuff and and killing it. Like, like Nels Klein, I'm a massive fan of, amazing guitar player. and like that was a great thing about living in New York not to jump on too far ahead but they you know those guys were just playing around you could go to Le Poisson Rouge or whatever and see Nels Klein and Mark Ribot and Bill Frizzell and great guitar players like that just you know doing their thing yeah I think they're playing uh, Dublin next summer I think that was the this week they're playing Ivy Gardens yeah next July they're a great live band yeah so like you but, finished sorry yeah. No, I was just saying, but like on the Bob thing, yeah, he, I, I don't know what his buzz is now. He's a very strange man, but like, yeah, obviously a genius and a massive influence, you know? Yeah. I think you just have to let the band go sort of thing, you know, like they're, you know, they're still going and, you know, you're still happy for them and stuff, but it's like, no, it's not the band that I got into or, you know, it's not the act that I want. Yeah. I mean, well, his whole thing is sort of being an enigma anyway. So mm. like no matter you know, you're always going to attach your, project your own stuff onto him and it's never going to stick because he's just doing his own thing and it's probably has nothing to do with whatever your fantasy was about, like, you know. 
So, like, when you were getting into all these, like, uh, it sounds like the, you were drawn to the more acoustic guitar stuff than anything else. Was it kind of acoustic mm. guitar that you were uh, mostly playing? Um, like, getting into Woody Guthrie and... When I was a teenager, yeah, I went on a mad kind of folk buzz. Like, I think before that, it would have been more rock and roll and electric blues. And then I went on a huge kind of folk kind of thing. We we had a little band in Waterford um, doing like Cajun and bluegrass and and uh, you know a load of Dylan and some Carter family and Woody Guthrie and Jimmy Rogers and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so I suppose a lot of my teenage years were um, playing acoustic guitar. And I don't think I really got that back into electric guitar until. I was went to college, so when I was around seventeen, eighteen, playing in bands around Cork and stuff. Oh, so so it was around then that you moved to Cork, seventeen. Yeah, two thousand. I did my leaving cert in two thousand seven and moved down to Cork. Yeah. Okay. For down in UCC. What? what oh, okay. What did you do in? UCC? In music and English. Yeah. And um, never actually finished that course. I was there for about two, two-ish years, maybe a bit longer actually, and. Um, yeah, I met a lot of great guys in there, like Dan Walsh I met in there, we were in the same year. I think Kevin Terry was in our year as well. All right. Uh, Niall O'Regan, a, a lot of the major cork heavy hitters were, were floating around there. Did they all do music at ECC? We've been doing arts anyway, yeah. Oh, okay, right. Floating around, yeah. Probably passed you like all the time I was in, I did English and hmm. psychology. Yeah, I was, doing, I was doing English as well. Yeah. Yeah. Did you enjoy? You did you enjoy it, or was it just like not your balls um, that you dropped out? I enjoyed out? parts of it. Um, I was pretty young, and I didn't particularly want to be there. Mm. I just was there because you're kind of expected to go there, by you know, family and society and what have you. Yeah. And I didn't really have any other plan, so I, I just went along with it. But uh, yeah, after a while. Um, just ended up dropping out and playing in bands and stuff, yeah. You stuck around Cork? Stuck around Cork, yeah, for a couple of years. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I went down 2007, I think it was 2012 when I left, something like that, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. what kind of bands were you in, or? Oh, everything and anything. Um, where were you going, I guess? You were probably nowhere. going to the same place. <laughs> um, Cypress Avenue... Yeah, more of the path, like, because we had, um, geez, I'm trying to get the timeline straight in my head now, yeah. it's, all, it's all a bit The hangry. path wouldn't have been open straight away, would it? From, from 2009, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm trying to think nine. now. Um, we had, uh, jaw, well, we had Jawbone going down in Cork. Uh, okay. That started in, on Red Derrick, which is going back, that's not even there anymore, uh, on, up on Barrick Street. Um, we used to do that every Tuesday, I think it was. Um, John, that that was a session. Yeah, that was thing. a session, like a kind of acoustic kind of thing that still kind of is uh, surviving. And um, that was with Alan and Phil from O Emperor, and we yeah, that was a more of an acoustic kind of thing as well. And uh, that ended up moving down to the pav at some stage after the route Derek closed. So, um, yeah, Crane Lane, um, 
We'd go to Roundy all the time to see the jazz, like Danny was doing his thing in the Roundy. Um, there was lots of great gigs on in UCC. I, I saw Andy Irvine in there. Um, Liam Wayne Lee, I remember they put on in the pub at some stage. Um, Earlar uh, Leonard. And, yeah, got to see a lot of stuff like that through through that program as well, you know. The proper folk stuff that you were that you were getting into. I mean, Irla must have been great to see. Like, oh, he was amazing. Yeah, it was him and Steve Cooney. Um, yeah, I suppose it would have been kind of down in Cork that I got more and more properly into Irish kind of stuff. Like, I don't really play that much trad because I don't really. I find it difficult getting in there not coming from that kind of background. I don't know. It feels a bit odd to me. Uh, I always have to kind of take that stuff from a, a different angle, but I, I love it. You know, I love all that kind of stuff. You love watching it, like the the sessions. Uh, yeah, I love watching it. Love listening to it. Yeah, um, you know, and there's great sessions here in Dublin now as well. You know, got the cobblestone up the road, and um, th- I don't know. Do you know Ye Vagabonds? Nope. Yeah, they're two lads from Carlo. Um, they're brothers, Breen and Dermot, and they do a session on a Monday down the road in in Walsh's. And they do a lot of old ballads and kind of they do blues and folk, but a lot of tradie kind of stuff as well. They're they're doing um, I think the Grand Social pretty soon. They're okay. well worth checking out. They're a great band. Um, so like I mean, you do you have kind of called yourself a session guitarist in the past, mm. I think. But what what is it that you couldn't get into uh, in the trad sessions? It's a different style you know what i mean i'm sure i could if i you know yeah. put the effort into it but it is a, a completely different uh style and i do fool around with it a bit but i, I do feel like a bit of a an imposter or whatever yeah you know that i'm just kind of putting it on but i did that kind of stuff down in cork like i mean it was literally whoever called you know and if there's a few quid on the gig i would show up like you know so it could be a ballad group or it could be a blues band or you know could be a wedding band you know i did wedding bands for a while down in cork um which is great money at the time yeah that's what i was gonna say like that's where the money is at really oh yeah yeah, yeah. Like, i was making like yeah i could be getting 200 quid you know in a night for like an 18 year old that was amazing but of course i blew it all like I yeah blew it all on. man 18 getting 200 quid like exactly uh, yeah. this music business is simple it was all spent on vinyl and alcohol <laughs> um, you you obviously met John Black John Black uh, John Black yeah at some um, point you're like a founding member of the Rats I don't know if I'm a founding member they were around for a little bit um, before I kind of hopped on board because um, lineup changed multiple times I met John around 2009 2010 I think uh, they had done a gig in UCC that we were involved in putting on I think it was like a society thing and Ashling would have been playing with them at the time oh, okay. as well and and yeah I just like their sound I like the stuff I didn't see too many people around Cork doing that kind of Americana kind of thing and I was kind of on that buzz at the time I was getting more and more into kind of say country music Hank Williams and all the Hanks Hank Snow and all the boys <laughs> Um, don't hear many Hanks nowadays Hank Waddell he's still knocking around um, there's uh, yeah so I was getting more and more into that stuff and I think I approached John if I remember correctly I think I might have asked him to do one of the sessions with us 
And he was like, yeah, cool, we'll have a jam. And we did. And yeah, I ended up playing guitar with them for a couple, I guess a year or two, yeah. And we, I played on one of the EPs, the Tidal Rise Again thing. Yeah, so that was kind of, it was a mad period because we were very much a hard playing, hard drinking rock and roll band. But uh, no, it was a lot of fun. Some, some good memories. Is there any other sessions or nights that uh, I should know about or that you from, want to talk about from, from that, that period? From that yeah. period? Up, to, uh, up till you left in 2012? Not that I can... Probably, yeah, there probably <laughs> is. But not that I can particularly remember. Um, Jawbone was, was a big one. Uh, you know, because that was a weekly thing and we kind of we're building that up and we used to put on gigs in the pub and stuff um yeah it did did also you know we were playing in funk bands um did you know some studio stuff with anna mitchell and 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 john and people like that around cork um um yeah not off the top of my head no all right and then so you left back for new york in 2012 yeah, I suppose I was just tipping around Cork and didn't really feel um, I was I was comfortable and I was making a living and it was fine, but didn't particularly feel it was going anywhere. Uh, and I was kind of working on my own stuff the whole time as well. I definitely had ambitions of doing my own thing and had my own sort of musical ideas. And yeah, the opportunity was there to go, so I just said I'd give it a shot, you know. Um, like I said, I got family there and stuff, so I, I just went over and, uh, with no particular plan, you know, I just said I'd head over and give a go of living there. And, um, yeah, I stayed with family for a little while and then I got a job in the city. Um, and at that stage I just decided I'm not playing covers anymore. I'm sick of playing covers, uh, cause I have been making my living just playing in bands and stuff. And I was like, no, I'm just going to concentrate on my original stuff, concentrate on writing and performing. But there was no money in that particularly. So I, I did the singer-songwriter circuit. I was, you know, just past the hat kind of thing. And I had a day job. Originally, I was delivering flowers um, around New York City, which was quite interesting. It was a good way to get to know the city as well, like the geography. And uh, certainly met a lot of interesting characters through that, but it was a pretty poor job in that I wasn't getting paid much. And um, you got you got to know your flowers though. No, not <laughs> not really. Uh, I just had to sweep them up and try not to break anything. And um, and um, yeah, then I got a job in a cafe in the village. Um, sort of indirectly through Niall Connolly, who's a songwriter from Cork. Um, used to hang out in there with him a little bit. He he did the open mic in there. The, the place just shut down recently. Yeah. No. But, uh, yeah, so I was working there, I guess for the over a year anyway, about a year. And I would just work in the cafe and do gigs wherever I could, and it was just... We had actually started recording the Perfect Fit EP before I left for New York, because the, the O Emperor had the studio down in Cork, and I was just okay. sitting on a load of songs that I was really mad to kind of get off my chest, so we went in, started a bunch of stuff, and never really finished anything, and then I moved to New York, 
and I ended up finishing off the three of those tracks in New York. Um, I think one or two of them were pretty much done, and um, and just needed a little bit of tidying up. So I got a studio in New York um, with a guy called uh, Len Monticello, and um, and we finished that off. And uh, yeah, so that was the first release. We released that last year in 2014. I think it was January or February, yeah. Right, yeah. Were you, were you uh, playing solo gigs when you were still in Cork? A few, not many, not many. Uh, there were bits and bobs. Like I remember some supports for Oemper in, is it the Slate? They were doing gigs upstairs? Yeah, or the, yeah maybe. Uh, yeah, I forget I forget what they call that, but um, yeah, bits and bobs, but not a not a whole lot. Yeah, were you always performing under well, then and now? I guess I just wanted to ask, like, did you have an idea for a band name, or were you always going? to? No, I'm horrible with titles. <laughs> like, if you look at all the song names, it's usually just a lyric nicked out of it, and uh, so yeah i really probably should have come up with some sort of moniker like you know villagers or, or, or whoever <laughs> it seems to be the done thing these days and it allows you a certain amount of an- anonymity but uh i'm just not very good with names so yeah I, I, you know patrick freeman looks good on paper <laughs> went along with it you know uh yeah just because um you see someone is like recording and putting out something under their own name you think oh this must be a personal release or something like whereas i think listening to the album it sounds like you're you're not really writing that personal no songs it's kind of character driven yeah or story driven yeah i mean it's probably inspired by stuff that happens to me but i don't make it too personal because i find that kind of distasteful I, like I think there's very few songwriters who can get away with that without seeming extremely narcissistic and, and the, sort the, of soppy. Like I think Neil Young kind of gets away with it because he almost kind of sings out of his diary, but somehow pulls it off. He doesn't seem uh, douchey. <laughs> is that the word? It, it's too too soppy or something when people sing. Yeah, too self indulgent. Uh, you know, I don't. I think it's not doing anything for the audience it's just serving a sort of uh, a selfish kind of need I, I mean I suppose it's better out than in you know it's better than you know sort of uh, going on a rampage or something yeah but, like uh, I, I mean I don't think it makes for very good art like yeah I guess like the thing you'd say would be that it'd be cathartic for a yeah, lot of people but it's only cathartic for the individual involved i don't see why you should record it and inflict it on the rest of the population like you know <laughs> yeah that's uh that's interesting because jape recently rich egan he kind of just uploaded to Bandcamp a load of um kind of b-sides and just stuff that he was recording yeah. and he was saying you know he always shares it with friends um but he doesn't really share most of what he records to the general public because he said he said on Twitter like that it was you know kind of just good for the mental health just to get it out totally. there. Yeah, totally, and I and I go along with that. Yeah, completely. But yeah, I think there is a sort of line, especially when you're kind of charging people, you know. And okay, that is I a pay what you want release the Jay album. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't, I don't know. I find I find it a difficult kind of thing. Like, and I think like what we're talking about with Dylan, Dylan as well is like that that sort of mystery that enigma kind of thing where the listener fills in the gaps like if you spell everything out for them i think it becomes slightly less 
interesting. You know, it got. I think it has to have a broader appeal than just your own kind of head. So, like a lot of songs on the album are personal to me. Like I, they mean something to me, obviously. But I think um, there's room for interpretation there as well. Yeah, if people are looking to try to get into your head. They're they're not really going to find it there. Uh, not unless they know me already. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure my friends probably can fill in the blanks. But. Uh, yeah, probably for the uninitiated, probably not. Yeah, it's it's something that I've been thinking more about since I, fin- you know, um, the idea of personal songwriting as opposed to, you know, it's a story about someone else. Justin, I just yeah. finished reading um, Carrie Brownstein's memoir from Slater Kinney. She she just oh. wrote a book and she was just saying that you know, um, being in an all girl band and you know constantly, uh you know, having to explain that and stuff and people always assume as like a girl band that uh, all the songs are really personal. Whereas like, you know, so much of it after say maybe the first album maybe is just kind of them assuming the role of someone else and that like, it's a lot of yeah. their songwriting isn't personal. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's different ways you can you can go about it. I mean, you could do a straight story, story kind of song where it is in um, a sort of narrative sort of voice where it's quite obvious that's not you. Or you could uh, assume a character. I mean, all my songs, I think, are pretty much in the first person. It's kind of you, me uh, kind of stuff. And I think on this album in particular, because a lot of these songs I have been sitting on for a number of years, like, which is why I'm I'm already kind of bulling to do another album because I'm I'm sitting on a, a load of stuff. It's just kind of trying to find the time and the money to make it happen. But um, I think these songs do kind of stem from a certain period in my life. Um, but they're not, you know, super autobiographical or super specific. It's more about just trying to capture a feeling uh, or an emotion or whatever. And I think something, you know, that that everyone can hopefully latch on to you know um the beatles would op- and you mentioned it earlier like they would probably be the biggest touchstone for the album totally yeah i think yeah do you want to just talk about um like their influence and like how like would they be you know if you want to say like your favorite band or and would you be into like yeah i mean it's almost Lennon a cliche stuff? you're almost ashamed to say that because it's so terribly obvious but I mean they wrote the book like you know what I mean for the stuff that I think most of us do nowadays and certainly the genre that I'm in um, you know of how to use the studio and you know obviously they had uh, old school songwriting kind of craft but you know they really turned the studio into an instrument I think and of trying to create worlds on the record that and not even being concerned about trying to replicate it live or, or uh, capture a performance or whatever. It's more about creating a universe in and of itself, um, which I still find fascinating, you know, and I think all those records still hold up. I mean, people, a lot of people are sick of the Beatles because they're so glorified and people go on about them all the time, but they, they are fairly seminal, you know. Yeah. And, they go on about them for a reason. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I grew up on. So, and I think with all the guys who play on the record as well, like the O'Emperor guys and Danny Walsh is on there. And, um, you know, we love a lot of that classic rock kind of stuff, Pink Floyd and, and the Beatles. And um, 
not trying to ape it, but you know that that's definitely our musical upbringing, our, our musical background. You know. Yeah, yeah. The, like I mean, the sounds are definitely reminiscent of that period. There's one like just kind of guitar squeal where I'm just like, oh, it's proper sixties. Yeah, hit. but I mean, there's synths and stuff on there as well. You know. I think it does kind of go somewhere else. I mean, we try, you know, there's a drum machine on, on one of the tracks, which okay. you wouldn't have had certainly on the Beatles stuff, but, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe in Paul's later work, but, um, um, you know, there's, there's synthesizers, there's a pedal steel on there. Um, so we tried to do, I don't think we, there wasn't like an overarching scheme. We just kind of, it was like, I had this set of songs and I had the group of musicians I know, would help me realize it and we just went in and did it like we knocked out the bones of it in a week and then what took longer after that was kind of overdubs the strings the horns getting all that together that kind of took time because we're working on a shoestring budget and you're just trying to cobble it all together but um did you want to be like did you want it to be a solo album like just you sort of thing or was it just there's so many people who I know who I play with that you know have to have them in on the tracks I mean did is the idea is the album that like you have now was that the idea that you had in your mind like back in 2012 or whenever it came from um or did you anticipate it it might have been a solo acoustic affair no because I think the, the the songs uh it's whatever the song demands it's like whatever is best um you know, gets the point across of the song. So the, the problem I have at the moment is that I, 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 I'm kind of forced by economics to do most of the performance performances solo uh, when I really would love to have a tour and band, you know, to, to really um, get those songs across to people live. Um, um, yeah, like the, the first and the last tracks are essentially acoustic numbers, um, but I think the rest of them... Um, they were done like that because I, I kind of felt that was the best way to present them, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's quite a short affair as well. Like when it's is it? Uh, it's only about half an hour. Yeah. Uh, were you, like at the end, were you like, oh, I thought it would be longer than that. I, I was hoping it'd be over a half an hour, at least, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I just seem to write like two minute wonders here. They're all, it's very much get in and get out, like make your point and kind of say what you have to say. There's uh, there's probably one or two we probably could have jammed out a bit longer. But, um, you know, for me, it's kind of about the lyric. It's kind of trying to get the point across. And I haven't written like any epic uh, sad-eyed lady of the lowlands or, or anything like that yet. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, hopefully we'll get, we'll get get around to that right just one 15 minute track but um yeah they're all quite short yeah yeah Hit and and, quit it. and so um like you're living back up in dublin now was there a point where you came back from new york that you were living in cork again no no uh but i'm up and down there quite a bit i like i still get calls to work down there and uh like i said we record the album down there i was just down there recently doing a single actually which we might be putting out next year and um no, when I moved home, I was staying with the folks, and I've been living in Dublin about a year now, uh, since last November, and uh, yeah, there's a great scene up here, like, I mean, even just here around Stony Batter, you got, like, I was saying, Ye Vagabonds, those guys are living down the road, I'm playing bass at the moment with a group called Old Hannah, who are, well, oh, okay, yeah. they're all from Sligo, and some of the boys are living around here, 
Um, I think Lisa O'Neill just lives up the road there. She'd be down in Walsh's sometimes on a Monday. Um, and um, Anna Mika, um, she's really great as well. Um, there's a lot of great talent around at the moment, even just in this neighborhood. Uh, Miles Manley, you'd see him knocking around a bit. And um, yeah, so I'm really digging that at the moment. There is a nice little scene in uh, in Dublin. And I don't really get out that much, to be honest. Like, the only time I'm going out is if there's a gig on or something, you know? Um, but, um, yeah, there's a nice little scene. When when you moved up to Dublin, were you like, uh, who am I going to play with? Who am I going to... Not really, because I already... That was kind of part of the incentive of moving up, was there was already a lot of people up here um, that I knew. Like, the old Hannah guys I'd known from years ago... Um, when they were still living in Sligo and they've been living here in Dublin for a while. Um, there's Phil O'Gorman who plays with Jawbone um, in town. They got a new Dublin outfit of uh, Jawbone that plays in Arthur's on a Sunday. And Phil used to play with the gorgeous colours. I've known him for years. Oh, okay. Um, I really like that band. Yeah, they had some great stuff. Yeah, Really disappointed of, when they broke up. Yeah, I was at their last gig. Yeah, that was that was quite upsetting. Uh, I think one of the boys moved away, and uh, yeah, no. So I still those couple of those guys are around. I still hang out with them. Um, Phil's a good friend of mine, and there's Phil Christie uh, from Oempers living down the road. Um, oh, is he living up in Dublin? Yeah, he's living up here. Yeah. Oh. Um, so I already kind of had a crew of of people that I knew uh, before I moved up, and obviously I've met more people since then. Actually, most of Waterford's living up here. <laughs> uh, it's kind of part of the Dacia exodus because, like, they all moved down to Cork at one stage, and now they all seem to be up here following the jobs or whatever. So, like, <laughs> sure, last year I was on tour and I did a gig in Waterford, and like, no one came. And I did a gig here in the Cobblestone, and the whole bar was just full of Waterford people, which was very surreal. Um, so yeah, no, there's a, quite a few people like. Particularly the Waterford folk, if they haven't gone to London or Australia, they're they're up here, you know. Are, are you the type of musician who can just kind of jam on his own, or do you always like just pick up the acoustic guitar and just play like by yourself in the room, or do you prefer like having someone to bounce ideas off of? Uh, I do most of the writing on my own. Um, I like having other musicians in the studio, certainly when you're trying to arrange stuff and realize the tracks to try and get a live feel um, and and try and get a bit of a performance element to it. Um, but uh, yeah, the writing is all done on my own and I usually just jam away here at home when I'm practicing or, or, or I'm writing. Um, I've tried writing songs with other people. I, I find that difficult enough because um, I'm, I guess I'm just part of that thing again where I've kind of moved around so often that I've always kind of I was never able to hold on to a band for too long because I was never still for too long. So I kind of had to rely on my own resources. So I'm only really used to working on my own in, in, in that sense. Um, so yeah, if that makes sense. Uh, I won't keep you too much longer. I feel like uh, I've kept you too long already almost. No, but, no, uh, no, 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 no. Um, I just hope I'm somewhat coherent. <laughs> um just like going from place to place like with the guitar in tow like it's it's the idea of the um kind of the romantic idea of the troubadour mm. kind of going from place to place i mean obviously it's an idealized notion yeah but is it is this something that you're like 
you know, you want to live in different places and you want to always play music. Yeah, well, I suppose I would have bought into that a bit more when I was younger, that sort of romantic idea. But I do enjoy traveling. It's probably one of the, you know, I, I like music. I like traveling. You know, I like reading, you know. Um, those are the things I kind of enjoy. So, like, I try and do as much as possible. And the thing is, like, if I'm in a place for a year or two, I kind of tend to start getting itchy feet. Like, you know, it's kind of, there's something else over the horizon. I yeah. suppose it's the grass is always greener or something. There's always something you're chasing. Um, but, uh, like, this year I was actually relatively static. Uh, I haven't, I don't think I've left uh, the island this year anyway. I've been all over Ireland. Uh, like, I was in Derry this weekend, and we were out in Bray, or I'm down in Cork, or I'm down in Waterford, or down in Galway. So, but uh, I haven't actually left Ireland at all this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking next year we'll probably hit the road a bit. I'm definitely going back to New York for a couple weeks uh probably do a few shows on the east coast and then i would like to it's all a bit pie in the sky at the moment but i'd like to get over to england and over to germany or something and and tour over there um and it's probably just gonna be me and the guitar and just head off and try to get the word out there you know about the album and stuff so the yeah the album is called cherry blossom fall yeah <laughs> i don't think that we've mentioned that at all <laughs> so far um buy it now <laughs> bank camp the, the first gig is November 20th in the Bellow Bar in Dublin. Then we're doing November 22nd in Sunflower in Belfast. Then there is December 11th in Phil Grimes in Waterford. And then we're doing December 12th in the Triscoll in Cork up uh, the Black Mariah or whatever they're calling it these days. Um, Project Art Centre. Yeah, I believe called. so. Uh, something like that. Uh, so it's upstairs in the Trisco on December 12th uh, with Southern Hospitality. So, um, yeah, looking forward to those. It's going to be a small enough tour. We got the full band in Dublin and Cork. So so what is the full band? Uh, drums, bass, um, keyboards, guitar, and myself. Maybe a little bit of pedal steel depending on who shows up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, if I could afford it, I'd have a bigger outfit again, but uh, that's that's going to be the group this time around anyway. Cool. Uh, should be good fun. I, I hope so. <laughs> I think uh, so. We'll have our fun anyway. Hopefully the audience enjoys it as well. We leave it there? Sure thing. Thanks. Cool. Man.